This is the Wealth Game Podcast, where business owners and investors learn the game of growing and keeping more of their wealth through the same tax and investment strategies used by the wealthy. Your host, Brent Beeman, is a CPA, tax advisor, and president of Beeman & Company. Today's episode, we're going to go over a few of the different hour requirements in your investments, uh, in your business ownership, uh, whether you're in a partnership or an S corporation, whether you're putting money into a syndicated fund. We're just going to talk about how the IRS classifies some of the, like the amount of participation you have in these investment activities and the impact on your tax returns. You might, you might think it's kind of a funny thing that the IRS would care how much time you're spending in certain things, but it's built into the tax code that some deductions aren't allowed or some, say, losses aren't allowed or income can be classified in different ways depending on how much time you you do or how much time you spend in that specific activity. Uh, this, it can get pretty complex, but as you've seen, if you've listened to the past episodes, I like to stay really high level. I don't get into all the tax codes and into the nitty gritty. I just want you to get the concept of it and just to be aware that this is out there. This is part of the tax code, these different hour requirements. So we'll go over a few of the different categories. I'll just kind of list them at first and then we'll go into what each of those hour requirements means or the really not the hour requirements but what each of those hour kind of spans or hour kind of chunk of hours means. So the first category I'm going to go over is the zero to 100 hours. What that can mean, then we're going to get into the 100 to 500 hours. This, and these are hours you spend in a calendar year. So just remember that. And then there's like a 101 to 250 hours. There's a 500-hour rule. And there's a 750-hour rule. And we'll talk about some of the things in there that, that each of those means. And just me just going through that list, it just makes me sound crazy that we, that we have all these different tiers of hours specifically. But... It's where we are, and it, it is the tax code. So let's let's jump into it. The zero to one hundred hour rule. This is a lot of times when we're talking about real estate, and if you're spending time, uh, say you're. This is how you could qualify for active participation, and this is if you own more than ten percent of the property, or the investment itself. You're making management decisions. Um, this is when the active participation area, this is when you can claim up to $25,000 of loss of losses for long-term rental properties. However, there's a phase out between $100,000 and $150,000 of your income. So you'll see like some people will talk about how they've gotten quite pretty big tax deductions from real estate, even long-term rentals. This is usually where they are, usually less than $150,000 of income and they qualify like they're they're in control of that property there they own more than 10 percent of it and they're making those key decisions it's not just a like a syndicated fund for them where they're not making any decisions and they're not involved at all like in the management of it so if you are involved in the management and you've yeah you're spending up to 100 hours you could qualify for that active participation area so the next tier we're going to talk about is the 100 hour to 500 hour rule this is called significant participation. And for these, for some of these deductions to be released, it's you've got to have more than 10% ownership still, but it's still considered, this income is still considered passive, uh, but it does allow us to, or in this category, we can aggregate hours from different activities. 
So this is to get to that significant participation tier. You've got to have between the 100 and 500 hours of participation, but you still need to have ownership in it or more than 10% ownership in it. However, it's still considered passive income if we're talking about like long-term real estate rentals or just passive investments. It's still passive income. Those are passive losses. And there's some limitations on those I've talked about in past episodes. I'll do one specifically on passive income or passive loss limitations. And then the, there is another rule. There's a 101 hour to 250 hour rule. And there's a safe harbor that allows us to use the 20% QBI deduction. The QBI is the Qualified Business Income Deduction, where if you are invested in a business and you're spending at least 101 hours, 101 to 250, there's a Qualified Business Income Deduction that we can take when you're spending that amount of time. And the QBI works like if you say you had $100,000 of income coming from a, an S corporation that you're an owner of, if you spend more than 101 hours, there's a QBI deduction that we could take. It doesn't change the fact that it might still be passive if there were losses, there might be passive loss rules still, but just for the QBI deduction, there's a 101 to 250 hour rule. And then there's the, uh, the a big one, the 500 hour rule. This is the threshold where when you cross it, you meet the material participation requirements. And material participation is required is is important because that's the point where your passive income or your passive losses no longer is no longer passive. So if you have losses coming in from a from a business investment and you've spent more than 500 hours on it, that can be no, those can be non-passive losses to you. Say you're you've started a business and say you, you could even be working a full-time job, but you've started a side business and you're investing heavily into it, and you're hiring employees, and you're trying to run this business, but you're just doing it on the side. So you and your spouse are doing it. As long as you're meeting those that 500-hour rule, it could be non-passive losses because you qualify for the material participation. There is some confusion here sometimes where we have real estate investors that say, oh, I spent 500 hours on my real estate, so that should be non-passive, and it'll be non-passive losses for the depreciation deductions. But real estate is kind of carved out of that where it's not allowed because the rental real estate is passive, typically passive activity. There is another requirement, and this is the last one we'll talk about, but there is another requirement specifically for real estate, and that's the real estate professional rules. That's where you need to meet. There's a 750-hour rule to meet the rep status, which is real estate professional status. And... If you meet that 750-hour rule in one calendar year, you also need to meet the requirement where you do more in those real estate activities compared to the other activities you're doing. Now, I've got a whole episode on this, but that's the 750-hour rule. So remember, there's the 0 to 100-hour rule. That's the active participation, and it can release up to $25,000 of losses for uh, real estate. There's a 100 to 500 hour rule that's significant participation. And these are all these, I'm saying them like that because they're all IRS terms specifically, and that's how it's written in the tax code. Um, that is still considered passive, but it does allow you to aggregate hours from different activities and pool losses and income against each other. And then there's a 101 to 250 hour rule. That's the safe harbor uh, rule, meaning that it allows you to take on your income coming in from your investments, you can take a qualified business income deduction, which is 20% of whatever net taxable income there is on that 
activity. And then there's the 500 hour rule, which is material participation. And that's when we're converting not, or that's when we're converting passive activity into non-passive activity and losses from that can be used to offset say W-2 wages or other ordinary income. And then the last rule I talked about was a 750 hour rule. And that's, that's specifically with the real estate professional status requirements and how to meet those and that you'd need to meet those in order to, to use your, your long-term real estate or your syndicated fund investments, just those things to aggregate all those hours together as a real estate professional and use those deductions and losses to offset other income, like your other W-2 or your ordinary income. So that's kind of the goal here, or, or if it does happen, that's what we'd want to do is if there are things that are non-passive and you're spending those hours on it, we'd want to be able to use those to offset your W-2 wages and your other non-passive income. So that's the goal to use these losses to offset income, but those are some of the, the hour requirements, but make sure you're aware of those and just be aware that there's a lot of different rules on those and a lot of tax code on those specifically. It can get pretty complex, but just by understanding the basics of it, I think it'll help out substantially. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe and please provide a review of what you thought of this episode. For specific topic requests or questions to be covered, please email questions at wealthgamepodcast.com.